The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Today, we share, spiritual, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please go ahead and let us know what's on your mind. We would really love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, A Life of Purpose. Many of us enter addiction recovery with an excess of energy, not always knowing what to do with it. We can exhaust ourselves over committing, trying to make up for lost time, or just generally running ourselves ragged. This has been called, quote, frantic sobriety. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from that frantic kind of energy to clear and focused purpose using the spiritual power of zeal. So we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of that frantic energy that we had in early sobriety. And then we'll move into discussing the power of zeal as the solution or the antidote to that. After the break, we'll share exactly how we use the power of zeal to move from that frantic energy to a life of clear purpose. So, Dan, tell us about that frantic energy you had in your early recovery. And the thing that comes to mind first is I had so much trouble sleeping. It was really bad at first. And, you know, that was not hard even for my fogged mind to put together. Like, you drink as much as I was drinking and then all of a sudden stop. Yeah. Well, you know, alcohol is a depressant, depressant right, yeah. in our system, and it tends to make us sleepy, at least, you know, if you're drinking right. to the level I was. And I had been so used to it for so long. I mean, yeah. talking decades, um, you know, of probably easily 15 years of daily drinking. I'm sure I missed a day here and there, but in general, (laughs) I did not miss days. I was a daily drinker, not a binge drinker. And so to take that away, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do. 
with all of this. Now, part of that for me is, um, I don't know if it's genetic or what, because I, it's possible for me still to have some trouble sleeping. And it may be that that was one aspect of the self-medicating, you know, that I was doing with yeah. alcohol. But that all, you know, I was not aware of that during that time. And so to take the alcohol away, all of a sudden I have a, a hard time sleeping. And, um, you know, even to the degree that in the first month or, or so, um, they had prescribed something that was non-habit forming for me that I can't remember the name. Oh, it's trazodone. I shouldn't say that because it's, it might, if I, I don't mean to imply that that's a good idea for anyone to do. You've got to talk to your doctor. <laughs> In fact, this was the psychiatrist at the rehab that I was at that mm-hmm. that leaned on that. Anyway, so that was uh, a little helpful at first. Um, but I just had to find my way. So when I think about, you know, what was frantic energy like, especially early in sobriety, it was this, you know, just sort of could not come down, could not go to sleep sort of feeling that I definitely remember. Yeah, I wonder if that's probably a common thing to a lot of alcoholics is that a lot of us had that kind of frantic energy. You know, you hear a lot of folks sharing in meetings about having some form of ADD or ADHD and um, that some of our drinking probably was self-medicating to try to manage that kind of frantic energy. Um, I know another thing that we tend to do, and I know I definitely tended to do, do a lot less today, but I can still do it, is just uh, being being um, like a busy-aholic, a workaholic, a activity-aholic, um, just using that constant, <laughs> frankly, I don't have the energy to do it anymore, okay, but <laughs> back then I did, and it's basically just using that energy to do, 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 and go, go, go all day long, um, because it made me feel good, it made me feel productive, and it kept me from having to sit still and deal with my feelings and deal with what was really going on, Um you know, there were a lot of changes happening, obviously, in early sobriety. And uh, maybe it's okay that that's one way that I dealt with it, you know. But um, it definitely was an avoidance tactic on my part. And I did it before sobriety, too. I mean, even when I was drinking, you know, when I wasn't actively drinking, when I was, you know, early in the day, let's say, I was just do, do, doing constantly, you know, just never sit still, never sit down, just doing a gazillion things. I was uh, quite a bit of a perfectionist, um, had to, you know, could never leave a job undone, had to finish everything. It just, man, what I would do for a little bit of that energy today. (laughs) But I certainly had it in abundance back then. But I do realize that, you know, it did function as a a way of not having to sit still and be quiet and be in my own skin, be in my own body and be in my own uh, feelings and in my own mind. You know, that's not, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be busy so that I didn't have to feel that. I remember learning somewhere along the the road and I was very happy to learn this, that, um, that that a lot you know a sort of a burst of energy like that is is a fact of spiritual growth and that when we release energy when we resolve anything within ourselves that's blocking mm. that energy yeah. and so uh, at least that helped me to put you know kind of a positive understanding 
on that instead of, um, you know, feeling like, oh, what's wrong with me? How am I ever going to manage this? La, 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 you know, and any kind of negative way of seeing it to be able to look at it and say, I've really done a big thing here. And this is releasing a lot of energy that was all bound up in this unhealthy way of being. So this is a good thing that uh, I have all this energy. Now that's, you know, I still have the challenge of uh, learning what to do with it. But the, the idea that it's a fact of spiritual growth that we release energy when we resolve blocks um, Mm -hmm. helped me a lot to, and you know, I didn't learn that till, well, I don't know if it was that much later, but some years in yeah. uh, to my sobriety journey. But I was grateful to learn that. And so maybe that'll be helpful to to someone who's listening that if you're having that experience of intense energy, the upside is that you've got all that fuel, that all that life energy, that life fuel, if you will, now that was all bound up in maintaining an addiction. Right. And, and we And we do. And I did learn. Uh, how to manage it. And, and, you know, like everything, this too shall pass, right? Everything shifts and changes over time. And it did. Yeah, I think we don't even realize how much energy is going into maintaining our addiction, hiding our addiction, managing our addiction, engaging in our addiction, you know, so that when we give that activity up, there is a lot of freed up energy in both good ways and bad ways. You know, I, I remember having a period in early sobriety where I had this sort of, you know, renewed enthusiasm for hobbies and, you know, things outside of my work. I um, got interested in various things and, you know, started rollerblading and started reading poetry and just all these different things that I'd never done before because I had, I had empty space, I guess. I had energy to spare for other things, you know, and energy, not just like physiological energy, but psychic energy, you know, I had space in my psyche that wanted to be fed with other things. And so that was really kind of a cool thing, because I realized how limited I had been previously, because I only engaged in activities that revolved around alcohol. And suddenly I could, you know, do all these other things that were, um, that were very nourishing to me spiritually, and, you know, just frankly, fun to do. I wanted to have fun in sobriety too. So there was a lot of freeing up of energy for that. You know, even when my body wasn't in perpetual motion, which it usually was, my mind certainly was, you know, and I can still be like that today. I think a lot of us are, I think, again, that might be something that's, well, it's a human trait to begin with, but I think it may be exacerbated in those of us that um, have, you know, those types of addictions that that may have been one thing we were doing was self-medicating to quiet that brain down. Um, But yeah, just the constant barrage of thoughts and ruminating about so many things, you know, and just you're shaking. I mean, you're nodding. So I know, you know what I'm talking about. Just brain just doesn't shut up. You know, it just, just constantly creating all kinds of stuff. And I didn't know there was anything, well, I don't want to say wrong with that, but I didn't know that that wasn't a very spiritual or healthy way to be. I thought that's how everybody existed all the time. And certainly our culture supports that, right? You know, we have such a short attention span in our culture. And and so it took me a really long time before I could even begin to address that kind of thing, which 
um, meditation has been very helpful for me in that just learning to have space between, you know, for me, meditation is not like, oh, I sit there and ohm out for 30 minutes and don't think about anything. That's not my experience of meditation. But for me, meditation is every single day getting a little more comfortable with less thinking, you know, with not chasing after every single thought, not making a story out of every single thing that occurs to me and just getting more comfortable with just being. So that's been really helpful for me. But in early sobriety, no way, man, no way. I did not want to sitting and meditating. In fact, I don't even really recommend that if you're new to recovery, <laughs> maybe a little bit here and there, but, um, you know, there's a reason why we're like that. We're not ready maybe to, to have all of that coming at us, you know, it's, it's a process and hopefully over time we can get more and more comfortable with less doing and more being. Yeah. You know, there's a title of a chapter in, uh, in the big book called into action, not into sitting on, in the corner on a chair, <laughs> because maybe we've done too much of that. Now, of course we weren't necessarily doing it in meditation, right. but you know, too much uh, sitting around introspection is powerful, but it's not the only, uh, helpful recovery tool that right. we have. We do need to move into action. So I have that mind, that runs a mile a minute. And I, I think I might have thought that, you know, I don't know what other people's internal experience right. is. I just know what mine is. And, uh, you know, I've come to find out that many, many people and many of us uh, in recovery have a mind that runs a mile a minute. And I had trouble being still or being calm at all. And sometimes, you know, the solution, if, if I'm having trouble being still, is to not be still. Like, get up and walk, you know, walk in the woods. Or mm -hmm. if you're into jogging, you know, take a jog or whatever and, and use some of that energy and then circle back to right. um, something more, uh, you know, like introspection or, or whatever. And so, that you know, it's a good example of how we have to kind of follow our guidance. And then, of course, in early recovery, being part of a community, having a trusted advisor, maybe in the form of a sponsor, is a really good idea because those people have experience where we don't necessarily, and they can help us with that. So now that we know about this challenge of frantic energy, what is the solution? In unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, as we know, developed a set of 12 spiritual principles that he called the 12 powers. And these are 12 spiritual abilities that we all have and that we can learn to use more effectively in our spiritual growth path. And the power that can help us move from a frantic way of living to a to a clear purpose is ironically the power of zeal. <laughs> and that's what we want to focus on today. But zeal means energy, right? So how does yeah. that energy help us find a clear purpose without being that sort of frantic right. sort of energy? But Michelle, thinking about the power of zeal, what does that mean to you when that comes to mind? Yeah, well, it is sort of ironic, like you said, that we're talking about frantic energy and the solution to that is more energy, seemingly. <laughs> But I think that in this context, at least what the what Charles Fillmore was getting at with this power of zeal is um, sort of harnessing and focusing that energy in a spiritual way or in a more effective way. So whereas many of us just had this, you know, 
crazy energy that was all over the place. And we were sort of just chasing after all kinds of different things or just running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Zeal refers to um, a much more focused use of that energy. And I think that what he gets at, I'm not a super 12 powers person, but I think that what he gets at with zeal is that zeal is sort of energy combined with purpose. So it's a purposeful, meaningful energy rather than just a free-floating, frenetic, crazy kind of energy. And so, um, you know, zeal is sort of how we learn to harness and use and focus that energy in ways that are meaningful and that are purposeful to us. And in early sobriety, you know, we, we learned that uh, a good focus for us is not only taking care of ourselves, and we'll be talking more about that today, but helping others, you know, that's one way that we get out of our, the bondage of self, as our literature says, um, and, and it keeps us sort of on the straight and narrow in early recovery to, you know, get into service of others. And, um, you know, so the difference would be that frenetic or crazy energy would be taking on every service commitment and staying busy all the time. That would not be a very effective use of it because then we're just, we're avoiding ourselves. We're avoiding maybe having time to work on the deeper issues. Um, zeal would be finding maybe one or two service positions that are meaningful to us and putting our heart into them, you know, and, and really being of service. And as we know, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. You know, coffee maker is probably one of the most important jobs in 12-step recovery. Whoever shows up and has that coffee going, you know, that's a real important job. And um, that's just a simple way that we can be of service, you know, uh, offering to read something at a meeting, you know, just sort of being, being available and being of service when called upon. But zeal would mean using spiritual discernment to determine how much is appropriate to do you know, so that we don't cross the line into that uh, frantic energy where we're pretty much just avoiding being with ourselves, basically, you know? Yeah, I'm reminded about how, you know, we, we've talked a lot about these 12 powers from time to time. And one thing that we always say that I've found important to remember is the idea that we, it's not if that we're using them or not using them, we are using them always. It's, are we aware of how we're using them and are we using them in a way that would be considered a skillful use mm -hmm. of that power versus an unskillful use of mm -hmm. that power. So in that way, I can see how uh, zeal in the, in the, if showing up in that frantic energy is kind of an unskillful use of that, mm -hmm. that life energy, that zeal that we have, but we can, as, as you say, um, use it in a different way that would be considered more useful. I like your example yeah. of instead of, um, you know, getting every service commitment that we can possibly get instead <laughs> shoots a couple and just do those well, you know, do yes. those with integrity. So uh, we can think about, you know, how could I be using this zeal, this kind of energy in a way that is skillful? And I'm, I'm also remembering that each of the 12 powers is part of a kind of a balancing pair, right? right? And, and the balancing pair for zeal is order, right? So if you think about order, the power of order 
simply acknowledges that you know there is a sequence to things. Mm-hmm. You know, th- things work a certain way in the world, and if I can get my energy aligned mm-hmm. with that, um, the sort of the order of the universe, if you will, um, then it then it can become a, a very it can become a focusing kind of power that will help me skillfully use my zeal rather than sort of having no order or disorder around my use of zeal. And that's that frantic, you know, kind of all over the place is the phrase that comes to mind, the kind of all over the place energy. So we can use zeal in a more skillful manner when we realize that it can be governed uh, in a sense or, or focused or guided might be the best word um, by the power of order. And yeah. that again, and I'll always say this, when I was in early recovery, uh, I was not the one in the best position to know perhaps how to use these yeah. things. Um, I needed the counsel of the group and of uh, recovery friends, mm-hmm. you know, friends who aren't in recovery, that's fine too. But if people who haven't been where we've been, can't really get what it is like to be where we are. And so recovery friends become particularly um, important. And so I can turn to recovery friends, to a a trusted advisor, sponsor, spiritual advisor, whatever it ends up being for you, for assistance with all this, you know, to help me um, move from the sort of frantic way to the purposeful way of using all that energy that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. The word that occurs to me is balance. And this is balance is such a spiritual concept that just shows up again and again in so many aspects of recovery. But, you know, so we have this energy and we've got to learn how to balance it between doing and being and between, you know, being of service out there and being of service to ourselves and, Um, practicing self-care, but also not sitting around too long. I mean, it's just, you know, and that's going to look a little bit differently for every person. Like if somebody tended to just drink at home and be by themselves and not do anything, then balance for them would look like getting out and doing things more. If somebody was more like me that was out there doing everything all the time, then balance would be learning how to stay home and be quiet and be with myself and with my thoughts. So it's, it's a balance, you know, of, um, of where our energy is going. And I also love the definition of zeal as being enthusiasm because zeal is sort of that feeling of like things that we love doing, you know, things that bring us joy that, um, that, you know, really feed our souls. And when we, uh, leave behind our active addiction and have this sort of freed up time and freed up energy, we suddenly have more time and space to be able to find out what really does give us joy. And often, you know, folks in recovery, we discover so many things that we've never bothered to even try before. People find new hobbies, like I was mentioning, or new interests, um, you know, and, and we can really bring that zeal to that so that we start to find what, you know, it might be a new career or it might be a hobby or whatever, but we can start to find out what is that thing that really gives us that enthusiasm and that energy and that motivation and that joy, you know, so that to me would be a skillful use of zeal would be finding things that make our hearts sing and that make that feed our soul that nourish us. Um, I think it's so important. 
Yeah, I love that. I'm really glad you said that because I had kind of forgotten that enthusiasm is a good, you know, uh, other word for zeal because it's a very positive mm-hmm. kind of energy. Now, it, it does, you know, if we have too much of it, and we don't know how to manage it. It doesn't feel very comfortable. It didn't feel very positive to me, but it's a it's a zest, you know, a life energy. Yes. It's an upward looking kind of energy. You know, it's a constructing kind of energy as long as I can um, guide it, you know, certainly could become destructive. But you mentioned balance. And yes, is is that not always what it comes back to? Seems like for absolutely everything. And I heard one of my favorite definitions of balance is that balance is the midpoint that I go flying past on the way from one extreme to the other. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, balance. I think I passed that two days ago. (laughs) But, you know, that's funny because it's true, right? But we can, of course, learn to, you know, maybe I don't go zooming past it quite as fast and I can learn to hang around in that middle place a little bit more. I know it is an ongoing journey for me. I was going to say it has been. Well, it has been and it still is an ongoing journey. Uh, of learning to do that very thing, balance, right? And and your example of, like, I was someone who would be inclined to stay at home, right, and and be in solitude. And so for me, balance was get up, get out, go where the people, the recovery people are, talk to them, you know, make friends, just do the meeting before the meeting out in the parking lot and do the meeting after the meeting, either in the parking lot, sometimes some of us would go get something to eat, you know, yeah. late night. It's a lot of, there's a lot of fun. It was very liberating for me yeah. as a person who was generally inclined to just, you know, staying at home and, and not getting involved with what other people are doing very much. So yeah, zeal and balance and order, um, you know, one of the upsides of zeal, that kind of positive life affirming energy is it can break down barriers, yes. right? It's almost like applied strength in a way. I mean, strength is a, is a power unto itself, but zeal is, is almost like the turbo, you know, on our, on our power of strength that can really, um, keep us moving. Yeah. And joy and fun, you know, if you're new in recovery, you know, we insist on having fun. You're talking about the meeting after the meeting. Gosh, I used to have a woman's women's group I went to every Friday. And there was a time when we would all go to Denny's afterwards. And we just had so much fun. And it's just that fellowshipping and learning how to have fun in sobriety. We do not get sober from our addictions to be miserable. Heck No. I insist on having a joyful, happy life. And that's a big part of what zeal is. Zeal is bringing that enthusiasm for life. Finding the joy wherever you can and grabbing hold of it, because that's what it's all about. I love that. And thank you. But hold that thought, because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. So please stay with us. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. Indeed, we are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellich. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. Uh, be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we were discussing a frantic energy, that sort of crazy, you know, uh, just all over the place energy that many of us had pre-sobriety and in early recovery. And then we moved into talking about the 12 powers and specifically the power of zeal and that more skillful use of that energy. So Dan, now that we've discussed the frantic energy and we know the solution is the power of zeal, tell us about how you use the power of zeal to move from that frantic energy to a more clear, purposeful energy. Well, what comes to mind is just, and, and this is pretty broad, but by way of focus, right? Yeah. And and as we were just discussing during the break, we are choosing to see the concept that, um, you know, the word zeal points at right. in a very positive light, although it certainly can be seen negatively, right? Like, right. you know, if we talk about religious zealots, that's not a positive description right. or overzealousness is, you know, out of balance. But right. But we're seeing zeal kind of in its purest form as a divine or spiritual power. And in that way, it's always a positive thing. And so how to move, um, you know, from sort of the frantic experience to a clear purpose is by uh, focusing that energy, by, by seeing it as inherently positive. You know, that's something that we do in unity a lot. We choose to, we realize that life is consciousness and that we have a choice of how we um, understand or experience something. So we choose to see it as positive, and when we do that, it is positive. And it becomes even more so when I focus it, like we talked before about the power of order as kind of the balancing piece, the, the balancing power that goes with zeal. So if I can use this life-affirming energy, this energetic uh, way of being, the sort of you know, the, the uh, enthusiasm was a word you used I thought was perfect. I can use this enthusiasm and use it in a skillful or, or uh, ordered way. Then I can begin to um, direct it toward a clear purpose. I don't know that it creates a clear purpose as much as it is an essential component in having a clear purpose. So the energy that went, you know, that used to feel like bouncing off the walls turns into a, you know, a mission, if you will. I mean, like a life mission. Yeah. Uh, like here's something really important that I want to do. And so I'm going to use this energy toward that goal. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in my life, it's been many things, uh, but a, a big one, maybe the biggest one would have been, um, answering the call to ministry, right? Yes. And not everybody 
needs to be a minister in order to no. live a spiritual life, of course. But, you know, that's something that happened for me. And that's how it is. I ended up here talking about all of this. And so <laughs> that but that's a good example of a way, to, you know, I stay open to possibilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to see things in new ways. And I am willing to put some structure uh, around having a goal. Right. right. Which is, again, the power of order. And so th that is a way that for me, um, zeal helped me or focused energy, enthusiasm helped me um, move toward uh, something that I would consider to be a clear purpose instead of just bouncing off the walls and unable to sleep. Right. You know, you mentioned the word choice. And I think that's such a powerful and important word because to me, so much of recovery is about recovering choice, recovering our ability to choose. Um, when we're in our active addiction, at least when I was in my active addiction, I wasn't living in a very conscious way. I was just doing things. I was doing whatever I was compelled to do and doing most of it in a pretty frantic fashion and didn't realize that I even had choices. You know, I didn't realize that I didn't know unity principles. I didn't know that I had the power to change my life, that I could choose, you know, how I wanted to see things. I could choose what I believed in. I could choose where to expend my energy. I could choose, you know, what to put my faith in. So even just having that choice was huge to me. And I think that making skillful choices is a huge part of, you know, the effective um, or efficient use of zeal is choosing, you know, bringing that spiritual discernment on board, like you mentioned order, you know, and using our newly found spiritual discernment to make choices about where we want to direct our energy. You know, I had to learn, I did learn in early recovery that I didn't have to do it all, all the time. And I'm still learning that. And uh, that I didn't have to do it all perfectly either, because I mentioned I was quite a perfectionist, you know, and I had to have my house perfectly clean all the time. And I don't know where I got that kind of energy from. But, you know, 25 years ago, I had it. And I just, you know, I, I was just go, 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 go all the time. And um, I wanted to do everything and do everything perfectly. And a lot of that was just, uh, it was my own uh, needing to feel competent, needing to feel good about myself, needing to feel productive, needing to feel okay, and generally not feeling okay in my own skin and not in wanting to avoid myself and my feelings. So staying busy all the time. So, you know, I was able to let go of that as I got more and more comfortable in my own skin. You know, I couldn't just, it's not like I could suddenly just stay still and meditate for hours when I was still so uncomfortable just being with myself and my own feelings. So it's a process, you know, um, letting go of that need to be busy all the time and that workaholism and um, just generally being busy, busy, busy and learning to conserve that energy and use it in a more skillful, uh, more skillful way. And that's, that's that zeal, you know. Um, the other aspect was bringing in divine guidance. You know, I suddenly had a higher power on board that could help me make those choices. I wasn't just making all the choices myself. So I would ask for guidance. You know, I would, I would ask for guidance in what was mine to do. You know, this job that I'm applying for, is this, is this mine to do? Is this what I should be doing? 
um, I would do my best to turn it over and then I would go and do the interview and see what happened, you know, but at least I was, I wasn't just consulting with myself all the time. <laughs> you know, I was seeking that divine guidance and, and also seeking guidance from trusted uh, recovery folks and sponsor and such, but most importantly, HP, you know, just getting that divine guidance on board uh, really helped me to be able to channel that zeal into ways that were going to be good for me. You know, one way that, that this energy, this zeal showed up in me, and, and I'm going to guess a lot of us have this experience, is in the form of anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Anxiety takes a lot of energy. Yes, anxiety yes. is the sort of undirected energy that ends up getting directed just towards, like, to me, my experience of it, just sort of like bodily discomfort, like, yes. like energy's bouncing around in my body, yep. and I don't like it. It doesn't yep. feel very good and then of course accompanied with worry and concern which is almost always like a what's going to happen what am i going to do what if this happens what you know that is my experience of anxiety and i want to share um a short passage from the big book this is on page 86 that helped me um sort of adapt this way of seeing that we're talking about because we're, we're talking about how can we how can we almost reconceive of this energy that we have? How can we see it as positive enthusiasm that can drive a life of purpose rather than just sort of negative something that needs to be dulled and, and uh, medicated, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that I want to avoid. And so this is the quote from page 86. It, it reads, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. So what I'm hearing there, among other things, is that this is a practical way that I can literally turn it over. Like, turn it over to God, turn it over to my higher power. Let go and let God is another thing I think this passage is describing. And mm -hmm. that can help me a lot with the, the feelings of anxiety, with the way things show up. Like, oh, it's not just me. I don't have to figure out all this by myself. My whole life is not going to you know, go to hell in a handbag if this happens or this doesn't happen or if I don't get what I want or if something right. I you know, all of that kind of stuff. I can follow this advice here, which, you know, it does require just sort of sit and be calm for a minute, but it's not like sit and magically make it go away. No. It's sit and turn this over to a higher power that can handle this, that does yeah. know what to do yeah. in this situation. And so in that sense, I am redirecting or I'm, you know, if I think of this energy as like a, you know, like a, a fire hose has all this water, it's an, an immense amount of water coming out of the end of it. If I'm just sitting there like in my house with it, I can wreck the entire house with this fire hose. But if I could just point it in a way that's helpful and get it out and off of my walls, yeah. right, and, and out towards something where it can do some good. And that's how I see this doing. Let me let me turn this over. Let yeah. me put it in my quote, God can, right? Cause yeah. I can't, I don't know what to do with this, but God can, cause God yep. can know. And to get that kind of insight 
uh, I have found very helpful. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention something about that, that whole turning it over. And when we talk about God and we talk about our higher power, you know, if if to you listening, that seems to imply that we're giving power over to some entity outside of ourselves, um, you know, I just wanted to clarify that, you know, those are words that we tend to use in recovery, but you could say that you're turning it over to your higher self. You could be turning it over to the universe. You could be turning it over to your inner divinity, whatever uh, concept you're more comfortable with. But I just wanted to, you know, sort of clarify that because we use more, I don't know if I want to say traditional, but 12 step tends to use more traditional, you know, turn it over to God, turn it over to higher power. That doesn't mean that we're talking about man in the sky kind of God or some entity that is um, solving all our problems without any effort on our own behalf, you right. know? That's totally distinct from ourselves because what we always say, God, as I understand God That's to right. be, and yes, That's and right. when I say the word, I understand God to be this essential energy that is in and through and around and as me, not a, mm-hmm. right, not the old man on the cloud. Absolutely. Right. I think that's important. Yeah. And I also just want to say that, you know, our own, it is God as we understand God and our understanding of God will inevitably change throughout our recovery and will yes. change and evolve over the course of our spiritual path. And that's, you know, I try very hard to respect wherever folks are with their current understanding of God, you know, because I feel like it's very unique and individual. It's not for me to tell someone else what God should be to them. Um, and my own understanding of God has changed drastically over many years. So I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to make that clarification because we do talk a lot about turning things over. And I know sometimes unity folks struggle with that because they think that it means turning it over to some power outside of ourselves. And um, to me, it's a power that's at the same time outside of myself and within myself because it's bigger than me. That's the higher power thing. Is it? Yeah. Not, yeah. The power that's. Greater than my lowercase lower S self, than my exactly. ego self, than, exactly. than my constructed sense of self, who I think I am. It yes. is greater than that because it is divine. Uh, but right, but not located outside of me only. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, everywhere always, uh, yep. which it, importantly includes within me right here and right now. In yep. addition to everywhere else at all other moments in time. Yeah, and the same thing goes for when we say things like let go and let God, or when we say I don't know, but God knows. You know, again, we're talking about my human small s self doesn't know, but my God self, that part of me, which is part of the the whole, the entirety, the all in all that is God, that part of myself does know, or I have access to that which knows. Um, not to get into a whole theological discussion, but I know that sometimes these kinds of uh, phrasing, this, these phrases that a lot of us bring from the 12-step program can get, they get difficult sometimes for unity folks because it can sound like it's a much more traditional um, God outside, you know, sense of God. And, and I don't think that that's what we're talking about. But at any no. rate. That's for each of us to decide. That's right. And I've noticed that, and I think it's very curious. If I use the word God and someone thinks I'm talking about classical theism, mm-hmm. that's coming from them. 
That's not right. for me, because yeah. when I say the word God, I mean the you know the 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 unity way, the the Richard Rohr way, not the yeah. narrow uh, right. anthropomorphized right. way. So yeah. yes, I and th- I really think this is a critically important issue, and that each of us has to uh, find what does work for us because there mm-hmm. might be someone listening that's very comfortable with a, a traditional God mm-hmm. view, and that works perfectly fine. That's yep. not that's not worse or better than my way of seeing. And and most importantly, and I love that you said this, it's going to change. It has changed and it will change. Yes. M- meaning my, you know, my God concept has and will change. And I certainly hope so. Because if it doesn't, that means either I'm exactly right yeah. for all of time. And I do love that idea. <laughs> or... Or, you know, on the off chance that I don't happen to be exactly <laughs> right for all of time, um, that I am learning and growing and yeah. that I'm down with that. Yep, exactly. Yes. If it's not changing, it's because we're not growing. And, you know, it's not for me, it's not like a linear progression either. God could be different for me on any given day um, or at any point throughout the day. Um, and the thing is, is if we really believe that God is the all in all, which I believe Charles Fillmore or some unity person said, um, then God is all of that and even more. So God encompasses all of that. So whatever your God concept is today, God is that too. And that's okay. Um, the other uh, thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of zeal is um, the importance of a life of meaning and purpose. And I was talking about choice, and that means that I get to make choices about where I want to expend my energy and what I want to spend my life doing. And before recovery and before unity, I often felt I was locked into decisions I had made and there was no, you know, I had to sort of follow the prescription. Um, I spent many years studying for a certain degree to become a teacher. And then once I found myself doing it, um, wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. And then shortly after that, I became pregnant with my son and I made a very surprising choice to leave a career I had spent many, many years preparing for after only a few years. Um, this, you know, that might've been a questionable choice to a lot of folks, but it was a choice that I made based on divine guidance and based on what I wanted my life to be about. I wanted my life to be about things that were meaningful and purposeful for me. And at that point in my life, that meant that I wanted to dedicate myself a hundred percent to being a mom. And that that's a difficult decision for women of my generation to make, you know, to leave a career that I'd been preparing for for so long. Um, But that's what I wanted to do. And I made that choice in partnership with my higher power. And it was the right thing for me. Um, Actually, it was quite a relief to get off of that train that I felt that I was on, you know, that career train where you're, you're invested in it. So you feel like you have to keep riding it to the next stop and the next stop. And I really wanted to get off. And, um, you know, there were a lot of other plans that were, uh, you know, in the works for me that I had no idea. And, um, you know, ultimately the call to ministry and that choice to get off of that career path was the beginning of opening all of that up for me. Because if I'd stayed locked in, yeah, I was basically, I was in a position where in, in, two more years, I would have had tenure. And tenure is like the absolute definition of being locked in for life, right? 
<laughs> and at you know 27 years old that's not what I wanted I didn't want to be locked in for life and and so having you know having this effective use of zeal the skillful use of zeal means that I can co-create with my higher power a life of meaning and purpose so that I'm using my life energy to do things that are what I really want to do not what someone else thinks I should do or what I think I should do based on, you know, my upbringing or whatever, or how much I've invested or, you know, but just really making choices that are about what makes my heart happy and what I feel I'm spiritually called to do. And to me, that's, that's when we have zeal is when we're doing what we are called to do. That's where that zeal is just there. I love that. that that's a wonderful um, story that really underlines what we're talking about here and a great illustration of kind of a, a kind of way that this uh, affirming, enthusiastic life energy can, um, you know, get us into a place of clear purpose or we can use it, you know, as we're in a place of clear purpose. I was also just thinking about some sort of nuts and bolts practical ways that I've that I've used it and there are things like like using energy and service to others like you said making the coffee is the classic example because it's so perfect it it needs to be done it seems it seems mundane or unimportant it's not it's important, it's so important. And you we feel really good you know I always felt really good when I was the one making the coffee because I was doing something to support everyone who came in there whether I knew who it was or not um, I use my own energy to clean up my own life, which could mean clean up the kitchen or yeah. it could mean, you know, spend some time with my sponsor on my, uh, you know, third, fourth and fifth step kind of work. So it can be literal or it can be more figurative or just taking care of things that have been ignored. Most of us who enter into recovery can look around and see a lot of things that have been ignored that could use some energy, and I definitely had those. But let us now change gears and turn our attention to a question or a comment from our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up, and in a way, this is the question we've been uh, seeking to answer through this whole episode, and it, and and here it goes. What can I do with all this intense energy I have? Since I got clean and sober, I feel like I'm climbing the walls, and it's very uncomfortable. How can I manage all this? So, Michelle, can you, in a nutshell, summarize oh <laughs> all that has been said? Because I'm going to steal it from you if you can. I mean, if it's literally physiological energy, then I'm such a fan of exercise because sometimes that energy just needs to be expended. And um, exercise is wonderful for our bodies, for our minds, for increased oxygen, for stress, for depression, for all of it. You know, I'm a big fan. Get outside, get some fresh air and expend some of that energy. Um, then, then again, you know, that third step that seeking divine guidance, always seeking to be creating your life in partnership with the higher power, with God, um, ask for guidance, you know, however you pray or meditate, ask for guidance, ask what is yours to do. And I, you know, everyone receives answers in a different way. I don't typically get a loud voice telling me, but I do get nudges in different directions and we can trust those nudgings as being the nudgings of spirit, pushing us to do that, which is to be done by us. 
I definitely had that sort of climbing the walls energy early on. And what I found was that I needed a plan. You know, it wasn't just going to happen, fall out of the sky. I needed to take some steps or like the, like the big book chapter into action. Like I needed to do something, even if that something was go to meetings. Um, you know, all the things that I was told in the beginning that I found so helpful, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a home group, um, get a sponsor, pick up some even trivial, trivially simple service obligation. Yeah. But, you know, maybe my sponsor helped me uh, figure out how to do that. Uh, do things just like talk to others, just like share mm -hmm. what's going on. Because yeah. for me, I would keep my tendency is to keep everything inside. Mm -hmm. So just going up and freely sharing what's going on, go for a walk, just breathe, you know, journal yep. and free yep. write. And just know that it's okay and that it will change. Yes, absolutely. Well, as always, we like to offer you an affirmation to solidify these ideas. And our affirmation for this week goes like this. I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. I love it. I do too. And once again, I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift, or at least we like to think of it that way, the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery. And we're both truly grateful that you have, and we really hope that you have found something, you know, in all this blabbing that we've been doing that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. That is what this is all about. So thank you, Reverend Michelle, again for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, we do. And listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. We would love to have your comments, thoughts, feedback. And we invite you to join us again next week on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And please don't drink like my co-host. <laughs> Instead, have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.